You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you this Monday. Hope you all had a fabulous weekend. we got a lot to talk about. Gabby talks a little bit about the Eric relationship and what happened with it. We have a breakup in Bachelor Nation. Also, I'm going to talk a little Saturday Night Live. Kate Winslet addresses the $1 million question regarding Titanic. We've got some memorabilia stuff to talk about and an absolutely wacky weekend in the NFL that saw two of the craziest games you'll ever see on back-to-back days. And we will get to that momentarily. As you know, this podcast for the month of December has a title sponsor, and that title sponsor is Earth Echo Foods. Say goodbye to processed chocolates forever and try Earth Echo Foods' new Cacao Bliss Superfood Blend. You get the health benefits of chocolate without worrying about the side effects of added sugars and artificial ingredients. This is a coffee lover's dream. I'm not a coffee drinker, but everybody that does drink coffee absolutely swears by this stuff. Took one scoop, put it in your coffee. You can put it in your smoothie as well. You can even put it in stuff that you bake, cookies, cakes, whatever the case. Earth Echo is going to offer you up to 15% off your first order. Go to shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve and use the promo code realitysteve. If you don't remember the URL, just go to the episode description wherever you listen to your podcasts, place your order, and then during checkout, just use the promo code realitysteve. This podcast is also brought to you by StoryWorth. It makes a great Holiday gift, StoryWorth compiles your loved ones' stories, memories, and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book, creating a valued keepsake. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash Steve. Do that today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash Steve to save $10 on your first purchase. All right, let's get started on Friday. Gabby actually spoke out in regards to her relationship with Eric, which ended. Neither of them, once the breakup happened, it was just kind of generic stuff. And not like this is really too tea spilling here, but she did go into a little bit of detail, I guess. She did an interview with Us Weekly in terms of what's going on post Dancing with the Stars, talked about her Dancing with the Stars run, what it's going to be like to be on the tour, but was asked about Eric. And did Dancing with the Stars play a role in the demise of her relationship with Eric? And what Gabby said was this, quote, I do, do, I do truly think it was compatibility. Dancing with the Stars does take up a lot of your time, but I feel like our time together was never really limited. We would still see each other afterward. Luckily, we were able to live in the same place, so I think truly it was just getting to know the relationship in person because we were long distance and before that kind of in a bubble while The Bachelorette was airing. Sometimes you don't always know the questions to ask or it's up to the other person to really know themselves and bring forth their truth. So I think it was a lot of getting to know each other in real life. End quote. Then she went on to say, I think he's a really good guy. I think we're just not each other's people, unfortunately. I don't want to sound dismissive at all. Because, you know, leaving the show, you really do want hope and think that this is the one for you. I'm so ready to find my forever person, but I know now that it's going to come with time, and I want it to be the right person, not just a person, end quote. So, fairly detailed, and basically, it's like, (laughs) 
it's detailed, but it's almost like, yeah, this is exactly why most of these couples don't work out. You don't know the person until you get off the show. You're getting a very, very, I guess you could say, almost their representative on the show because you only get X amount of time with them. And then after the show, when you get to spend time with them, the cameras aren't off, then you see how they really are. And basically, she just said, I saw how he really was, and I realized we weren't compatible. Which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I know everyone wants tea, and everybody wants this, and everybody wants that, and what's the real reason, and stuff like that. She just gave you a fairly detailed answer of, look, we're just not compatible. Susie basically said the same thing about Clayton. It came down to compatibility. And you're on the show, and I know that we say this, and I'm sure you're tired of it, but I will say it till I'm blue in the face and until people understand. Like, this show is not reality. This isn't the way you meet somebody. This isn't the way you court somebody. This isn't the way you date somebody in real life. Because, one, not only do you not get to talk to them all day long and text them before you go to bed or FaceTime them before you go to bed or anything like that, you're also dating a bunch of other people at the same time. Like This isn't real. When someone does work out from this franchise, they are the exception, not the norm. And while everybody wants some sort of crazy ass, what's the real reason behind the Gabby and Eric breakup, and what's the real reason behind Susie and Clayton, I don't think there's anything other than, yeah, they got off the show, and they realized, I don't even know this person, and now that I got to know them, we're not compatible. Period. End of story. They've both said it, flat out. Compatibility issues. Susie said it in her interviews that she did all last week. Gabby said it in this interview on Friday with Us Weekly. You can't argue with that, because... That makes the most sense. You know, could there have been one thing that set her off? Could she have been more bothered by the ex of Eric's and and what she did and what Eric said to her? Yeah, but she doesn't need to go there. I think it certainly was a compatibility issue, and this is what I said the day after the finale. I said, they're never going to last because I don't see him fitting into her life. She is on the rise, and he is not. And I just didn't see a connection there. I didn't really see any sort of compatibility there, all the things and all the lovey-dovey stuff they were saying to each other at the finale in Mexico. It's just words. It doesn't mean anything. These people don't know each other. When they were saying all that stuff, they had probably known each other and spent maybe a total of 72 hours together when they said all that stuff. So that's like, I've said it, and I know you're probably getting sick of it, but I say it every time. The relationship does not start until the show ends filming when you can actually hang out with the person without cameras on you and see each other. I do not care what they say to each other. I don't care what grand gestures they make towards the other one during the show. I don't care if they go out of their way to do something special for somebody on the show. It does not matter until the show ends. Then you see how long it can last. These two lived in L.A. together while she was on Dance with the Stars. Location wasn't even an issue with these two. They were in L.A. post-show airing, post-her finale airing, and they couldn't make it work for longer than a month. (laughs) It kind of goes to show that it is very, very hard. They didn't do anything wrong. Susie and Clayton didn't do anything wrong. Any of the other couples that break up usually don't do anything wrong. It's just like, whoa, okay, now we're actually in the real world, and now I know you for who you are and not some representative that was on the show that was just saying things because you knew that's what I wanted to hear, and you, or you knew that's what America wanted to hear, whatever the case may be. It makes all the sense in the world that she just said, look, we weren't compatible. 
We spent time together. I saw him every night after Dancing with the Stars was over. And you get to talking to somebody, and we weren't compatible. Period. End of story. The other thing of significance, somewhat, that happened over uh, the weekend. I think it happened on Friday. Uh, Kira posted to her Instagram story and said this. Romeo and I have gone our separate ways. Sometimes you shouldn't give people a second chance to disappoint you. That's it. I didn't check Romeo's Instagram page. I don't know if he said anything in retaliation to that, but Kira and Romeo are no longer. I can't say that most of us would be surprised by that at all. It's just something to where, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, well, (laughs) this is something where I don't think a lot of people just seeing the way Romeo acted on the show and seeing the way he kept changing his mind about things. And it seemed like the only reason why he left with Kira in the first place was because he had no options left and nobody wanted to be with him except her, even though she went to Romeo immediately after she got dumped by somebody else. I think it was Jacob at that point. Right? So look, I I don't think any of us going to lose sleep over the fact that Kira and Romeo didn't make it. it sucks. Breakups are no fun. Now the veiled shot she took at him by saying, you know, sometimes you shouldn't give people a second chance to disappoint you. Clearly makes it seem like I'm assuming Romeo was either caught or seen or talking to another woman. Kira found out about it and is like, and is like, I'm done. So again, yet another example of someone from this show, allegedly, who had F-boy tendencies. It's just, I, I don't know when the women from this show are going to understand that it's that case for most of them. So I wanted to move on and talk about Saturday Night Live this past weekend for anybody that did see it. Did any of you see it? Austin Butler was the host, and I'm, you know, a fan of SNL. I've watched it since the very beginning. and Well, not the very beginning, but ever since I was in high school, I don't think I've missed an episode of SNL. I don't necessarily watch it live every Saturday night, obviously, but I record it. And I'll either watch it late Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning or sometime during the week, and I'll I'll catch it. And um, I have not seen the Elvis movie. I heard he was great in it, and he's, uh, you know, should be up for an Oscar for his performance in the Elvis movie. I don't know much about Austin Butler, but I will say this. He even addressed it in his monologue, and that was really the first experience I had of Austin Butler. Like I said, I've never seen the Elvis movie. I haven't seen anything that he's been in. I've seen him in interviews here and there since the Elvis movie took off, but don't really know much about him and never spent an hour and a half watching any of his work like I did this past Saturday night. And like I said, he addressed it in his monologue where he said, hey, people have been accusing me of my voice getting deeper ever since I've done the the Elvis role. And I got to say, I can't say I'm accusing it of being deeper because I never heard him before he came on the scene with the Elvis stuff, even though I know he's been acting for 10 years. I don't know. Like I said, not familiar with his work. However, just his whole persona, it seems like he's like every time I saw him on stage, especially for the monologue, the way he talks, the way he carries himself when he's not doing bits in the sketches on SNL, it almost seems like he's doing a character. Like, is that the way he really is? I don't even, I I don't even know. I can't, (laughs) I can't tell who's the real Austin Butler. 
because he really seems like he's doing an act and he's trying to act like the cool kid and his voice, you know, he talks like this and okay. That was my impression of Austin Butler. Probably wasn't the greatest, but you know what I'm saying? It was the first time I'd really spent a lot of time listening to Austin Butler, and I had only seen people doing impressions of him. I'm like, wow, that's exaggerated. I don't even know what Austin Butler sounds like, and the impressions I heard of him seemed exaggerated. And then I watched SNL. I'm like, no, that's the way he really talks. He kind of goes for the, you know, the scruffy, low. So is that how he really is? The kid was born in Anaheim, California. He grew up in Orange County. I grew up in Orange County. Nobody talks like that in Orange County. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm totally confused. But the other thing I that I that I wanted to mention, really good looking guy. Like I can understand it. I see it uh with women who are enamored with him. I mean, just he literally has the features of somebody who looks like he should be modeling Calvin Klein underwear. Like he's just got that look where every single bone in his face seems just cut from, just chiseled out of granite. Good-looking guy, but my gosh, I cannot get over his act. I, I, I feel like he's putting on a bit for everybody. Maybe he, maybe he isn't, and this is the way he really talks. But my gosh, I just the whole time I'm like, wait, this is... Is that how he really is? Or is he doing Elvis? Or is he trying to be cool? What What's his deal? Um, Did you see that Kate Winslet was on a podcast the end of last week? And she was asked the million-dollar question in regards to Titanic. The question we've all had ever since that movie came out of, why didn't you let Jack on the bed frame with you and just let him die? <laughs> And so she was asked, like, hey, what do you think? Do you think that if they were, she should, she should have let him on the bed frame and, and hope that they both could get saved? And she said, look, I don't know. I have no idea. But then she thought about it more and she said, you know what? Looking into it and knowing the way water works, because apparently she's very big into um, scuba diving and stuff, and she's a, a big water person. And I guess in talking to people who are experts in water, they basically said, no, if both of them would have been on that bed frame, which I think it was a bed frame, right? Yeah. If they both would have been on it, they could have both been on it, but it eventually would have sunk. Like they could have fit. Nothing saying he couldn't have fit on it, but the weight of both of them would have eventually sunk it. That's what people are saying. So I guess we have to take that as the answer to the question that we've all had for years that I don't know. I guess we'll never know. And also it's a movie and it's made up. So does it really matter? Um, It's I mean, it's always funny to joke about that. She wouldn't let Jack on and she basically let him die. But it's not like that ever happened. I mean, Titanic happened. But do we know really? Uh, the actual events of what happened in the water of people floating around and somebody had a boyfriend that they met on the, on the, uh, on the ship. And then they, no, we don't know that it was made, you know, that was the love story that was made for the movie, but do we actually know the answer? No, we don't. So, uh, 
I just thought it was funny that she actually addressed it and said, you know what? No. While he would have fit on here with me, we both would have eventually ended up sinking. One of us had to die. The NFL was absolutely bonkers this past weekend. Three games Saturday, all the games, uh, you know, yesterday that we had. But, you know, you look back on it now. And first off, you take that Indianapolis-Minnesota game on Saturday, the biggest comeback in NFL history. The Indianapolis Colts were up 33 to nothing and lost 39-36. I mean, look, if you watch the game, you saw it's not like Indy was up 33 nothing because everything they did on offense was unstoppable and Minnesota couldn't stop anything and for for 30 minutes the first half every time Indianapolis got the ball, they just marched down the field. No. The very first possession, they got a touchdown. Then they blocked or they got they marched down the field and ended up getting a a field goal. And then they got a blocked punt for a touchdown. And then they had a pick six in there for a touch. Obviously, that's a touchdown. So that's 17 points. And then they had, what, uh, four field goals outside of that? And, and just you're looking at it, you're like, they had, and then it, uh, the Vikings had a, um, went for it on fourth down and got stopped to give Indy a short field. And also faked a punt and got stopped. So they gave Indy another short field. So like I said, this wasn't an indie domination. However, regardless, if you have one drive in the second half that gets you a touchdown, you win that game. Just absolutely embarrassing. And Jeff Saturday is proving that maybe you kind of do need to coach more than, I don't know, high school football to coach in the NFL. Because after that first game where they beat the Raiders, somehow he's been an absolute abomination as a head coach. Uh, the amount of mistakes that he's made, the implosion in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys where they were only down, what, I think uh, one or two going into the fourth quarter, and they lose by 35, gave up a 33-point fourth quarter, and then mishandling a clock in one of their other games, and then this one blowing a 33-point lead. It's the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. 32 points was the other was the, uh, was the old record when the uh, Bills were down 35-3 to the Houston Oilers in the playoffs and came back and won. So congratulations to the Colts, another dubious record. And Matt Ryan has now been the quarterback of the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history when the Patriots came back from a 28-3 deficit at the end of the third quarter to beat the Falcons. And now he has been at the helm of the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs, Super Bowl, regular season, otherwise, 33 points. They were up 33 nothing and lost. Then, yesterday, uh, the head-scratcher of all head-scratchers, the Las Vegas Raiders and New England Patriots, about to head to overtime. There's literally three seconds on the clock. The Patriots are on their own 35, 40-yard line. All they got to do is they're not going to throw a Hail Mary. It's too far. All they have to do is just, I don't know, you could have taken a knee and just gone, all right, we're going overtime. And they literally throw a screen pass. They tried to pitch it. They pitched it once, and then wide receiver Jacoby Myers got the ball and for some reason decided to chuck it 15 yards backwards, and it was intercepted by a lineman for the Raiders who stiff-armed Mac Jones and ran to the end zone for a touchdown. You'll never see a game like that in the history of football end that way again. That's just, that is unheard of. And... 
you inter- you listen to the interviews after the game, and the Patriots said, yeah, we improvised, and we shouldn't have. We were tied. We, it's not like we needed to win the game. And the biggest thing is Jacoby, Jacoby Myers, the one who threw the ball back 15 yards, it's like, Jacoby, you were throwing it back to Mac Jones. What did you think he was going to do? Catch it at his own 30 and run 70 yards? He's the quarterback. Like, the point of him even throwing it back there, he can say all he wants. I was just trying to make something happen. It was just, look, he made a mistake, and it's a horrible mistake, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was cut today. But, because Bill Belichick does not stand for stuff like that. But holy crap. It made no sense whatsoever to throw the ball back that far with that much air under it to your quarterback. Because even if it would have been complete, even if there was no Raider standing around him, he would have caught it at his own 30 or 35. You needed the, you needed a touchdown because the clock had already hit zeros. It, what was Mac Jones going to do with the ball? He couldn't catch it and throw it. It just, the ball had already crossed the line of scrimmage. So he would have had to catch it and run with it, and he would have been tackled because he wasn't going to run through a whole defense 70 yards. He's the quarterback. But, hey, uh, you get, I mean, after what happened to the Raiders on <laughs> in their last game against the uh, the Rams, remember when we went over that, <laughs> that how that whole that, how that whole went down last Thursday with the uh, Baker Mayfield and 98 yard drive with no timeouts, and he had just arrived at the team two days before. It's almost like uh, karma, or you know, things just kind of evening each other out. They lose that ridiculous game to the Rams that they never should have lost, and they. They lose and they end up winning this one that they probably shouldn't have won. So, I guess it all evens out in the end. But oh my gosh, uh, just one of the craziest games endings you'll ever see in the NFL. I don't know if anything will ever beat it. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I hope you had a great weekend, and uh, we will be back once again tomorrow with yet another daily roundup. So, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.